This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 149. I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and I'm with Brad Shepard again this evening. Brad, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm not texting and driving, unlike uh, some people I know. So I was at a I was at a red lot. So, okay. You know. <laughs> All right. All right. It's a well, gray area there. Yeah. Well. Uh, okay. You know they got cameras at those red lights now though too, so, you know. Well, they're they're probably gonna. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna plead the fifth here. I don't know what you're talking it's, about. It's too late for the fifth, man. <laughs> Who's your attorney? <laughs> Uh, Joel Hollingsworth. Oh, he's terrible. Don't rely on him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got uh, several Vols-related things to get to tonight, uh, but I wanted to get the uh, off-topic question out of the way first. Uh, something you mentioned on your uh, Twitter timeline, uh, I guess it was probably several weeks ago, caught my eye, and I've been meaning to ask you about it since then. Okay. But you mentioned the book Boy's Life by Robert R. McCammon, and I didn't know that anybody else knew who Robert R. McCammon was. So tell me about Boy's Life and why you like that so much. Well, I just, I mean, it's its really probably, if it's not my favorite book that I've ever read, it's its in the top five. I mean, I've read it probably five times in my life. It's seeming, seemingly every, every three years since the time I first read it when I was 14, I just get this urge to reread it. It's a great summer read. It's a, probably the best novel coming of age story i mean i still love the body which you know was yeah. made into stand by me by stephen king but right. it's it's probably the best you know full-length novel of coming of age story that i've ever read it's just it's just beautiful writing it's it's just everything that's magical about being a kid growing up in the south and it's just i mean you know it's it's perfection. I mean, I really can't describe it any other way. Every wow. time I read it, I find these other things and it's just, it's just a great, it's a great fun book to read. I have to go back and read that because, uh, I, I like McCammon. Um, Swan Song was actually one of my favorite books for a really, really long time. Have you read that one? I have, I okay. have, and I read Gone South. Those okay, are the three yeah, that yeah. I've read. I've actually downloaded a couple more, but yeah, those are, he's, he's good, man. He's, he's really good. And he, he kind of, yeah, has fallen off the face of the earth a little. I always thought he was like a pen name of Stephen King there for a while because it seemed like uh, Swan Song was basically a uh, uh, like a another draft of The Stand, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're right, right. <laughs> so anyway, and they but, were—I think they were—they were good friends. I mean, they were—you know—they they were both huge parts of that horror boom in the '80s. And, yeah. But this is not—you know—this is not a horror book. It's a just a—it's really just—you know. It's it's his masterpiece in my opinion. I I love it. I got to go back and read it again. I I don't remember it so, but I'll I'll have to do that. So, uh, anyway, the Vols. I guess that's why we're here, right? So sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those so, guys. So the Vols beat uh, UTEP this past weekend. Um, the score though was twenty-four to nothing, and uh, that seems yeah. to have caused some consternation among some Vols fans. Um, I have some things to say about that but i was wondering first does that score bother you and how much if it does you know yes and no i mean they that game should have been 38 to nothing you know if it wasn't for the 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 fumble that in my opinion was not a fumble and then the the chop block then it would have been and we would have felt a little bit better 
about 38th and 24. I mean, of course, UNLV hung 50 on them. So, but you can't play the, you know, you can't play that game. But it, the, it, it, you know, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I think that that's kind of what we wanted to see. Heading into Florida, you want style points, and you want to, you want everybody to have the warm and fuzzies, and you want things to look great. But, you know, the bottom line was. It was thorough. I mean, there was never – it was not like UMass last year where you never felt comfortable because, it, you know, the team wasn't playing well. Tennessee played well the whole game. I mean, the, the same issues that kind of cropped up that we that we have had, which is the offensive line and the pass, and the pass rush or lack thereof. But, you know, it, it was – Last week against ETSU, Tennessee created a lot of mistakes and, and capitalized and, and turned those into into points. And this week, that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, it kind of went the opposite way, and Tennessee kind of shot itself in the foot. And I think that that's where your points are made up. So, you know, had Tennessee made another couple of plays on defense, you know, it could have could have led to some points had they not made those at least two bad mistakes at crucial times they would have had some points so I, I you know going back and watching it wasn't nearly as bad as i felt during the game um i, I think that you know tennessee looked good running the football which was encouraging they should have against utep and then yeah. the defense even though it didn't i mean the defense even you know even though it didn't create turnovers it still played very well i mean you know it it's encouraging to me that those guys on the second level and and in the in the defensive backfield even even though the defensive backfield is not great there you see them in the right place more and that's something that we did not see ever during the butch jones era and you know i I saw a lot of development from just players being in the right place knowing knowing where to be knowing what to do and, and we've seen growth in that even in the from game one to game three. Also, when you see them in those positions, you can still see the talent deficiencies that Tennessee has, but that's going to come with time. I have been encouraged by, by the progression and the development of guys seemingly knowing what's going on, and, and I think that that's, those are the little things I, that we've all talked about that we need to look for. So it's not perfect, lots of room for improvement, but – I mean, it was twenty-four to nothing, but it was it was a thorough twenty-four to nothing. It, it very easily could have been thirty-eight or even, you know, forty-five had Tennessee not kind of stopped really trying to score in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that that's mostly what I was thinking. Um, the if you look at the yards, uh, the non-points stuff, the first downs, you know, it, it was like you said, pretty thorough beating. Um, it was probably it should have been thirty five to zero because you know we did get three out of that one with the chop block, but still right, there, there right. were there were several other drives that got stalled out by penalties as well, and then we also gave what three or four possessions uh, to Christ, which sort of uh, interrupted the continuity. Um, and I wonder how much too with switching quarterbacks whether that can uh, actually lead to more penalties along the offensive line if they're different to you know they're used to a different cadence or or whatever you know so anyway i I think there were more points on the board there i'm really not all that concerned about it um it would have been nice to go in with another 53 to something you know but uh hey uh it it 
it also gave Pruitt the opportunity to be really unhappy afterwards, which is probably going to pay dividends this week. So, right. All right. So uh, the criticism sandwich, like we did last time, now you probably already mentioned a bunch of stuff, but uh, just so we can get it in a pretty little package, want uh, one good thing about the game, a bad thing in the middle, and then another good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the best thing I saw was, was Ty Chandler and I, you know, wrote about that yesterday, and I, I think that we've all been encouraged by the running backs and, and how they've looked so far. When when Chandler goes down in the first game, you got Tim Jordan who comes in and looks like he's an SEC running back, for lack of better terms. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying he's he'd fit right in that Alabama group or anything, but the kid can play ball. He's got three years left, and we should be excited about him. And then, of course, Banks comes in yeah. and you know runs like his hair's on fire against ETSU and. He does have a lot of air, and and you know that looks like, man, that looks like an exciting future. The guy, a guy that can get the tough one or two yards that they need, and and you know be be kind of a, a, a guy that's that's going to be a, a really good player for Tennessee, if he and he's going to learn to hang on to football. I mean, let's face it, lots of freshmen have that issue. It's frustrating, but it's 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 freshmen. Those frustrating the, freshmen are synonymous. It was probably the perfect place for to learn that lesson. Not, not when Pig sure, Howard learned absolutely. it, but, but against Utah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. But Ty Chandler, man, I mean, it, you know, we've been hearing that he, that he brings a different level of, of athlete to Tennessee. We didn't really get to see it last year because the offensive line was so bad and the receivers blocked so terribly. And 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 I, and I wrote about it yesterday. If you, take, if you go back and watch the 81-yard touchdown run, it's a thing of beauty because everybody yeah. had a – had a hat on their man. I mean, the, the the great block by Pope to spring it. Everything worked perfectly. But then you go, but you take that run away, and he still had 11 carries for 77 yards, which, you know, a seven yard per carry average against anybody is is pretty darn good. So, I I like what we saw there. I think he's the kind of player that Tennessee has to get the ball 20 times against Florida, and he's not going to help you beat Georgia or Alabama this year, but. You know, neither is Bo Jackson. I mean, so it's it, it's <laughs> Bo's over the know, hill a little. Yeah, Bo. I'm talking like prime time Bo Jackson, <laughs> but but you know, he he can help you win games like we've got coming up this weekend, and so that is encouraging. Tennessee's not really had a game breaking running back like him since Coker. And then, um, you know, the negative thing is, am I am I going and, and talking about that now too? Or are we going to wait? Or do you going to talk about it? <laughs> what about do you want which me to yeah, do you want me to say the negative thing now? Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Do the negative and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't have yeah, just you a know, piece I'm of bummed. bread, man. you got to have the whole I'm sandwich all at once. I'm telling you. I, I'm, I'm bummed out well, about the pass rush. Well, I, you know, I just – they got to do something there. I don't know what they can do. Maybe – and you can't tell me that there's not one kid on that roster that can get pressure on a quarterback. I don't I don't understand it. And that's – How many times did they, they blitz, they, though? I mean, it, uh, are they – is that vanilla that, that we're seeing, or is it Maybe. really just not able to do it? You know, it's. I think it could be, and but Jesse Simonton from VolQuest had a great um, tweet today that um, that kind of makes you think twice. It's like you would think that Felipe Franks, Florida's quarterback, would really struggle against the blitz and. Apparently his numbers this year are something like 14 of 19 with five touchdowns when blitzed and like three of 14 for 22 yards when the, he faces a standard four-man rush. And then somebody had a great comment on VolQuest that was like, 
hey, if 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 blitzing is is if blitzing him is not the right answer, then we, that may play right into our hands because we've not got any pressure on him. You know, and that's something that you don't. But it's it's funny. It's almost like when and I, and I've watched a lot of Florida football this year, and it's almost like when Franks has got time to make plays and run through his progressions, he doesn't do a very good job of that. So. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is the type of game where Tennessee can can give a little bit of help on the back end and maybe just try to get some some pressure with a four man rush. I don't like that, and that's that's never that needs never needs to be part of your game plan. Is hey, we're not going to pressure the quarterback at all. I mean, but <laughs> but you know, it really may play into Tennessee's hands. But they've got to get that fixed. I mean, they've got to find somebody. DeAndre Johnson had some had some glimpses. I thought and. I, even though he's not a, um, and even though, you know, this guy that I'm going to going to mention is not a, a, a pass rusher per se, but I thought Will Ignat had a good game mm-hmm. on Saturday. So you've got some talent and athleticism that's kind of flashing a little bit for Tennessee. Now maybe they just need to know uh, what it is that they're doing. I mean, you know, and they and maybe some of those guys just don't know that yet. But I, I don't see, I don't see what Congbo gives you on the field right now personally, and it's it's very much like. Drew Richmond on offense. I mean, I, I don't. I'm. I don't want to pick scabs and, and throw darts at that kid. But you know, Tennessee's got to go a different direction because he's not getting it done. But so anyway, the pass rush is the thing to me that I that just is more frustrating than anything I think that I've seen thus far. And then the final, the other good thing. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think that we should all be encouraged by Garantano's development. I think mm-hmm. he. I think that his ability to throw the deep ball. Is something that we've that we've not really seen a lot of. I mean, Dobbs could throw the deep ball, and but he didn't get an opportunity to do that enough. Bray could throw a deep ball, but you know that he didn't really. It was it was just kind of weird in the inter, intermediate game. Neither neither of those guys were very were very accurate. And Garantano's done a lot of good things this year. And yeah, yeah I mean, he's still. He's still young. He still makes mistakes. He still sometimes stalls drives by not, you know, not really knowing what to do with the football. But it's it's few and far between. I mean, he he looks to me like he's like he's really gonna be a good player, and, and that we can really rely on him. And of course, you know, we'll know more about that this week because Florida does get to the quarterback, and he'll have to face some some duress this week, and the and his that internal clock that we've talked about a lot with him, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll know for sure this week, whether, whether that's progressed and improved, but he can make all the throws and every single throw. He can make the outs. He can make throw the deep ball. He can throw the crossing patterns. He's, you know, he, everything has looked really good to me so far. And, and I, I did not expect to see that at this point of the season. So I'm, I'm very encouraged by that. I think that if Helton, I would like to say win, but we we haven't really seen it yet. That if Helton can get into a group in his play calling and really, and I think that that also could just be he didn't really know what he had, you know, going into the season. But if he if he can get into a group with his play calling, I believe Tennessee's offense has got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. And uh, continuity is a little hard to achieve when you're uh, you know devoting a certain number of possessions to the other guy too, trying to get him ready. So, you know, hopefully that uh, they can get things rolling that way. And like you said earlier, uh, the defense actually, you know, I know that we've played uh, ETSU and UTEP 
but the defensive numbers look pretty good. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's also, you have, if you're going to, if you're going to try to poo poo it by saying, well, look who we've played. Yeah. Well, look who we played, uh, uh, West Virginia's on there, you know, and those guys are right. probably pretty good. So, uh, having the numbers where they are right now, uh, I think that's pretty encouraging. I think it, it shows that, yeah, Pruitt probably knows what he's doing. Um, now they're going to take a hit because we got some elite level competition coming up, uh, probably after this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, we'll find out this week, I think, um, how much further we still have to go. Uh, but right. you know, and, and so yeah. since, uh, uh, you know, since we're talking about Florida a little bit, we're, we're going to talk more about them, uh, on the next podcast. Uh, we're going to try, try to have Will on, uh, uh, tomorrow and then you again the day after that. Um, but um so save some stuff uh to talk about florida later but i wanted to ask you quickly before we got off on this one and i don't mean to be uh negative or anything but is this game this saturday between tennessee and florida a game between the two worst teams in the sec east um i would say at this point yes and um and i'll you know yeah, it's it's pretty depressing, and you know, want to I want to go back and kind of talk about you know just to say one thing, regardless, because I feel like that, that that this answer that I'm about to give does need a buffer, <laughs> but because but my dad said something on, on Saturday that I would be I would be remiss not to repeat because I think it, it it it's something that we can all be encouraged by, even though we you know Tennessee struggled a little bit on the scoreboard and didn't score as many points as we would have liked. He he said, well, you know, at least we're watching football. And I thought about that, and <laughs> and you know what? I mean, we are, and that's something that we can be encouraged about because what I talked about from a defensive standpoint, you know, Tennessee lining up in the I formation on offense, they, you know, they've got some some motion, they've got some some lead blocking. I mean, they they're throwing the ball downfield, they're mixing it with they're, you know, they're running some tall sweeps, and then they're running some off tackle, and hey, it looks like football and not an unfolding rusty lawn chair offense that butch jones had you know i mean it's so i'm encouraged by both sides of the ball and the coaching and what tennessee wants to ultimately eventually do i just don't think that the players are there yet to quite do it but but yeah i mean you know i do i do a, a sec power rankings article every week for bleach report and and right now you know, Arkansas is my number 14 team. Ole Miss is my number 13 team. Tennessee is my number 12 team. And Florida is my number 11 team. So I think that I would be lying to you if I didn't think that – if I didn't tell you that, yeah, I think it's the two worst teams right now. Do I think that Tennessee will be one of the two worst teams in the SEC East by the time they play Kentucky and Vanderbilt? I, I'm not sure. It really depends on how Tennessee weathers the gauntlet that they're about to go through from an injury standpoint and how much these young kids – get better but until you know kind of my reasoning for that and i know that that we want to that we all want to and need to move on from last year but and tennessee is zero and eight until they're not you know i mean they they lost to vanderbilt they lost to kentucky they lost to missouri and 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 until they prove that they can beat any of those teams there's no reason to rank tennessee higher than those teams, especially considering that all of those teams have looked better yeah. 
than Tennessee has looked so far this season. So, you know, to me, yes, but that doesn't mean that I think that Tennessee is going to go zero and eight again, and that Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Missouri and South Carolina are all worlds better than Tennessee. I don't. I don't think those teams are. I think that they're all kind of right there. It's like Dooley's sack of potatoes. You know, I mean, they're all kind of right there in the in the sack, and whoever emerges as the you know the the non the the least rotten potato, then you know they get to be third in the SEC East. But it's it's. It's not it's not great right now, but you know I don't think it's the doomsday scenario that we were looking at last year either. All right, that's uh, Brad Shepard, and that'll do it for our uh, game day on Rocky Top podcast this evening. Uh, please remember to uh, subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. Give us a rating, give us a review, give us a good one. Uh, bonus points for using the phrase Dooley's sack of potatoes." because that is such an awesome phrase. (laughs) I'll I'll never get it out of my head. It was just a great quote. It was a great quote. Well, I had written in. I love seeing seeing Derek Dooley. I I watch Missouri games just to see him. He cracks me up. I just, I don't know. Does he do uh, post-game media? He doesn't. But, you know, and and I want to, I just, you know, he's, He's so he's such a smart dude, but you know every time I see him, I think that's our fool. I mean, he's not, but you know I just see him and I think, ah, there's that guy. We all know that guy. <laughs> yeah. They show him up in the up in the press box, and it's just like you know I just picture him with. I want to see him put his hold hold his hands up to his his eyes like the binoculars, like the Rommel binoculars. All right, once again, that's Brad Shepard. <laughs> Huge Derek Dooley fan. Stalker. Huge. Practically. Huge. <laughs> and so for Brad, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. I don't, I don't love Derek Dooley, but, I, you know, I don't want to that. And so, you know, you won't be able to do anything about it. I've learned to embrace the embarrassment. No, it's been it's been so many years of it that it just becomes part of you and if you can't look back at it and think wow you know one of the most storied football programs in college football hired Derek Dooley and Butch Jones back to back then if you can't come to terms with that and and that can't help you digest where we are as a football program right now then nothing will I mean,